Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Greg Ducharm. Greg, good to see you. Good to see you too, boys. Uh, an exciting week. And it happened for Tony again. So I think, um, Rick, I think we can change the nickname from Top 10 Tony to, I don't know, maybe Floodgates Fee now. Top no, one? Tony. Wait, wait. Tony 4 now. Tony 4 now. Yeah, another good one. Well, at, this, at this rate, that'll last until Wednesday, until he's Tony 5 now. <laughs> well, is he please not he's not playing next week is he he's not in the field I, i'm just messing around no, no he's right. not uh mark immelman is here but mark you're technically there hello i am there yeah i got to be with you guys it was a great event um i love detroit uh, this tournament just does so much and, and the fans out there today were tremendous and look at us we're just one week away from the end of the regular season i mean can you believe it's all here already I cannot believe it. We are like 47 weeks into this thing, but here we are, and Rocket Mortgage Classic is in the book. Tony Finau, yes, that's right, goes back to back. Not only goes back to back, but he shoots a 26-under par scoring record. I also love the symmetry. He shot a 64, a 65, a 66, and a 67 this week. That looks good in the box score. And Greg, he becomes the first golfer to win in back-to-back weeks of the regular season since Brenton Todd did in That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and the first back-to-back winner. Oh, well, uh, I guess Patrick Cantlay did it as well last year. Cantlay did it. Yeah. But you had the tour championship and the staggered start. But yeah, it doesn't happen very often. And again, my rule, this is the year where my rule has been broken. We've had back-to-back winners. We've had, uh, well, now with Finau, we've had uh, defending champs win again, like Sam Burns at the Valspar. So yeah, that rule has taken a little bit of a hit this year. Um, But what a performance from Tony Finau. He just, he was dominant in every area of the game. I mean, he had 66 greens. He hit 16 or more greens in all four rounds. That is unbelievable. He was third, as long as Tony Finau is, he was third in the field in driving accuracy. I mean, it it was um, just an unbelievable performance from him. It was dominant, Mark. I mean, he was, yeah, phenomenal in every aspect. He didn't make a bogey until I think hole 65 of the week. He was in complete control when he had to, Roll putts in. He rolled them in. Uh, I I don't know if I have the adjectives on this one. I don't think you kind of need to put adjectives to this. I just feel like, to use Greg's term, it was a dominant performance. And I would add to that a complete performance because we've all said time and time again that winning an event is hard. And then winning multiple events in one season is very difficult, let alone two in a row. And there's going to be the folks that say, oh, the field wasn't that strong and blah, 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 blah. 
but you've got to battle yourself and you've got to battle your own demons. And if you watch Fina today, there were one or two moments where he came through with a, some clutch saves. There was that save on nine that sort of didn't let the apple cart get too upset. And then when he needed to, he had quality shots and made birdies and, and it was just complete. And um, it, it looks like he's sort of riding that crest of the wave that all these elite players get once in a while. And when you're riding there, I'll never forget Simon Hobday, a great player from Southern, Southern Africa, said to me many, many years ago. He said to me, look, you only really play well four or five times a year. And those times you've got to find a way to contend and hopefully win. He goes, the rest of the time you're trying to make sort of, you know, lemonade out of lemons kind of thing. But when you're on this run that Tony is currently on, you've got to win. And he did. And he did everything that he needed to. And uh, and my hat's off on a complete performance. I'm clicking through the holes and the highlights, Greg, and I, I usually can find a moment, right? You find the highlight. You find the shot that's going to be replayed every year at this event. I'm having trouble finding it because he just basically – took care of the par fives all week. He gave himself a bunch of birdie looks. He rolled in enough of them. I, I don't even know if I have a highlight and the guy went out and broke the scoring record. Yeah. Well, I, I think there were a couple of highlights, Rick. Um, one, the up and down he made at number nine was huge. Uh, I'm again, I'm with you. I'm not sure they're going to be playing that for years. So he made a, an 11 footer for, for par. I thought that was really big. Um, but then he makes a, a 20 footer at 10 and then his only bogey of the week was a three putt at 11 and then and then the 30 footer that he made at 12 that kind of run right there and 12 was so big because it answers the boat it answers the bogey that he made at 11 um and you're kind of in three putt territory again so those were the those were the spark moments that really made this performance dominant but other than that i I tend to agree with you. It was pretty simple. He made it look really easy uh, and he was in complete control. And that often, I mean, think about the great highlights that we have through the history of the game of golf and Tiger's a great example of it, where the the best moments come after a bad shot uh, and, and they're great recoveries. And those difficult situations are the, um, are often the results of bad shots, but they also lead to the heroics. So he, he didn't have to be a hero this week, but, um, but, but I think the, the putt at 10, the putt at 12 were probably the signature moments from this week. Greg, I'd like to pitch something at you and get your take here. Um, I don't often compare players to greats of the game. I think that's unfair because everyone um, sort of forges their own path and everyone tries to fulfill one's own potential and hopefully live up to, you know, what's in, in your destiny, really, I guess. But Jack Nicholas once said, and I asked him about it, and he confirmed that. He said to me, he goes, look, I was more powerful than the rest, but I swung at 75%. He goes, I always had extra in the tank, and I hit it as long as I needed to. And so then I was like, I followed that up with, well, how often did you really just let one go? And he said, well, you know, probably once around if I needed to. But the rest of the time, I was just cruising. And as I watched Tony Finau the last two weeks, and I had him two rounds last week, and he was behind me um, for two rounds this week, he looks like he's just cruising off the tee. You know, he's hitting it enough, 310, 315 or whatever, but that's all he needed to, to play from the fairway because, what, he only missed six fairways this week? 
and the ball's running out. So, so, so that's hard to hit fairway. So here's a bomber who's become a fairway finder because he's playing like Jack and just kind of swinging at fifth gear. He's got sixth and seventh available, but he's just not going there unless he really needs to. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, well, he he'd missed ten fairways this week. It was third okay. in the third in the field. Right, forty six of fifty six fairways, which is a ton. Um, and uh, looking at what he does for the year, and this hasn't updated in, to include this week yet, but he averages three hundred five point eight off the tee. That's fiftieth. But we have seen the videos. He's reached two hundred miles an hour of ball speed before. Yeah. Um, and and when this was a whole big thing, and Bryson was chasing the distance and and really getting after it and showing videos. Well, Tony Finau got involved in that. And he kind of showed the the ability that he has. I also think to Cam Champ, who talking about who the longest players in the game are, and Tony Finau's name was put in there. Yet he's 50th on tour in driving distance. So I, I think it's extremely well said, Mark. He has a lot more in the tank. And he he tries to hit the ball where he needs to hit it. He he doesn't l completely let loose every tee shot. He, in fact, he rarely does. Um, but but he has plenty of length, and that club head speed comes through with irons as well. Um, it's a force multiplier. So mm -hmm. you hit it a little farther than somebody, or or you don't, and all of a sudden you're you're hitting a, a shorter iron in than somebody else. So yeah, it's a it's a sign of control. And I, I think this week and last week too, he he showed that accuracy is a advantage that he can have as well when he needs to. Uh, this week, last week, and the summer, the summer of Tony Finau rolls on. This is, I mean, he has just been rocking and rolling here. So starting back at the Mexico Open, Mark finished T two there. He went forty first at the Wells Fargo, T thirty at the PGA Championship. Then he really starts to get hot. T four at the Charles Schwab. He finishes runner up to. Uh, Roy McIlroy at the RBC Canadian Open. He finishes 13th at the Travelers. Now he notches two wins in a row. I mean, this has been, this is not, it's not two weeks. It's not four weeks. It's like 12 weeks of really strong play from Tony Fida. It is. And you referenced that Mexico Open event. Um, <laughs> he wasn't a part of the storyline there. In fact, we had, we were three wide announcers on the final trio there and then I got peeled off because Tony was going well and I think I believe I joined him there and 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 he said afterwards he goes I needed this I'd been struggling with some form and he shot a final round of 63 or whatever it was to play his way into second and that sort of started things off because he had been grinding on the game he had been working on the golf swing I mean goodness knows he's been working on the short game since Moby Dick was a minnow and, and so finally the stuff was paying off and now for me as an instructor deep down, it's always nice to see hard work pay off. Now, one chooses to believe that that is a, a truism, that it's an absolute, but it isn't really because your hard work can pay off and you can finish 25th, 20th, 10th, 15th all the time because you just don't get it all together. But you know, but your game's trending, everything's going in the right direction. It's nice to see the hard work pay off for Tony and look, He's, he's, we've all known he was capable, but now he's figured, like, like I've said before, I think he's figured it out and realized that, okay, I'm long enough off the tee. I'm going to play the control game to use Greg's term. I'm not going to get sucked into this arms race. I'm going to wedge from the fairway because when I do my control ramps up. And when I do that, the, the 15, 16, 18, 20 footer becomes maybe one or two there in tight. I'll make some putts that mean, some, mean something. And all of a sudden, I've got two more victories. 
and a whole lot more on the horizon because it looks to me like Tony knows what's going on. And more importantly, he's figured out what I've got to do preparation-wise, what, what I've got to do work-wise, what areas of my game I've got to address. There's a knock-on effect to this, that all the stuff that happens behind the scenes that, that people aren't aware of. So, I mean, he's on a really firm and good wicket, wicket right now. There is a comment a little bit further up from Eric that says, these cats that can't win sure are winning at an incredible rate. And Greg, Eric's right. Only five weeks ago, did we bemoan the failures of Xander Shoffley, of Tony Fidal. It does not take much and it does not take long seemingly for a lot of many years of perception to change on some of these guys. And you talk about it all the time with win rates and Hey, one win away. And just like, it really is true. Uh, yes. Although I would say it does take a lot. I, I just, I don't think it takes very long. It's That's like this point. idea of it is a lot in two. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's yeah. uh so it doesn't take a long time, but what it takes is gradual improvement. And what I really admire about Tony this year is it's his, we talked about it at the end of last week, and it still holds true. They probably only, when they update the stats, these will only get better. But it's his second best year ever in strokes gain off the tee. It's his second best year ever tee to green. It's his best year ever approach the green, round three scoring average, and round four scoring average. I mean, I, I put this out on Twitter earlier. These are his last six Sunday rounds. Well, we can add a seventh now. Um, 67, 67. 66, 69, 64, 67, 68. And that's something that Tony hasn't really been able to do um, in, in the past, right? This is now, so so he gets his third win uh, in, last week, gets his fourth win this week, but it's also the first time that he won with a 54-hole uh, leader co-lead, right? He was, he was tied with Pendrith entering the day. Um, so he, he kind of checks that box and, and that's a, an additional step. It's a step that Xander Shoffley also took earlier in the year. Um, and, and these are real improvements that have led to real success. So yeah, to, to your point, it happens quickly. The perception changes very quickly, but I do think there's a lot of work, a lot of effort and a lot of improvement that goes into that. If I might say it is. It is dangerous to make calls on athletes in this league. In fact, athletes in any league, but on the PGA Tour, these guys are so good. And it's such a volatile game, so they can make us look like horses' rear ends in the blink of an eye just because they all have the skill. And golf is this weird sort of game where we have all these advanced metrics and they are very helpful to, to help one make informed decisions. But true, truthfully, they're just informed decisions and opinions because – Every week it's a volatile game and things are likely to change and people have got ups and downs and stuff like that. Because I remember on this very show, like we've critiqued certain players and there was conversation amongst the, some of the group here going, well, Tony needs to get a bit more inconsistent and, you know, sort of fire at flags a little bit more and uh, maybe fall over, but that might sort of get him into a win. The guy has just turned awfully consistent. He's made what? How many bogeys in the last two events? And he's playing from the fairway. He's playing from the middle of the green. He's hitting greens in regulation like it's his business. And and he's just sort of easing his way around the place. And I'm sure he's he's sort of chuckling to himself and his entire camp is doing the same thing because, you know, it's not just us that we're critical. It's it's people around the gamut. But yes, Finau, he just kept his head down and did what Tony Finau believed he had to do. And now he's reaping the rewards thereof. 
looking forward at this, Greg, because next week is the Wyndham Championship. It's the final regular season event. Then we're going to have just a total of three playoff events, but the first two determine your position for the tour championship. Obviously uh, that goes a long way. Tony's going to be seventh going into uh, next week's FedEx cup standings. We have seen guys get hot, make a run at this thing, depending on what he can do in the first two legs of the playoffs. Uh, he has kind of a real chance of getting hot at the right time and making a run at the FedEx Cup. Uh, well, I would say he already is. Um, he are, already is hot at the right time. Now, the first, the kind of an interesting aspect to me is, um, is what we have the very first leg. We're going to a place that we've played for a really long time, but it's never been a playoff event in TPC Southwind. Uh, and Tony has start, one start there, and he he missed the cut. Is that going to carry any water? I I don't know. It's yet to be seen. Um, but I think he's also played very well at the tour championship in the past. Uh, and I'm, I'm pulling up that record right now because that, that can go a long way. Yeah. So he's got a couple of sevenths um, tied 11th last year, 17th before that. And again, those are staggered starts, but it, it's a, it's a pretty good record at, um, at Eastlake um, with, with those seventh place finishes. So we'll see what happens to the golf course in Delaware I, I assume that that's a place where he'll find some success. Um, the, but the one at TPC Southwind is going to be really interesting because I, I think there are some stars who have had success there. But it, it seems like the kind of place that um, that is open and available to everybody to have success at. So if Scotty Scheffler doesn't win um, and somebody that's not on this list here wins that first leg of the playoff event, well, Tony might not have to have a great performance there. And a win at the BMW in Delaware could go a long way. And and I do trust him at Eastlake. I think his game sets up perfect for Eastlake. Uh, and we could have another late season run to the FedEx Cup championship. You're on, Mark. You're on, you're on mute, Mark. You're on, Mark. We can, uh, do this all the time. It sounds like there's a party going on outside our hotel here. Uh, it's not Fino. He doesn't do that sort of stuff. Um, yes, my take, and he's likely to prove me wrong. Um, TPC Southwind is Bermuda grass everywhere. It's it sort of Bermuda grass is a great handicapper, and it, and certain people do well in it, and certain folks don't because chipping off that stuff is just dastardly and difficult. You know, judging balls out the rough is difficult, and they've got small, small greens there, and they're normally quite firm unless they've had a bunch of rain. But the southeast has been quite dry of late, so. That one's the wild card for me. Clearly, over the last two weeks, Finau has shown he can play on bent grass. And I've been to a Wilmington Country Club, and it's a beautiful bent grass everywhere place with um, that Kentucky bluegrass rough. And it's expansive a little bit. And so you can play Tony Finau's game. So I feel like he'll just be just fine there. And, and that's the one that I feel like gives him the best opportunity to, to get another big finish and climb into those five there going to Eastlake that obviously have the you know, that guaranteed situation that if they win, they win the entire bank shoot. Uh, Scotty Scheffler might have to have a word with the staggered start. He's got 1,200 more points, Greg, than Cam Smith in second, which is the same gap from Smith to like 14th in the FedEx Cup standings. And he's still only going to get two shots if we were to go to East Lake today. Come on. He might have to, he might have to lobby for a couple more. <laughs> Yeah, that that's the interesting, <laughs> unique aspect to the staggered start, right? It, it's 
It's two shots. It doesn't matter what the lead is. Um, and look, I, I am not the biggest fan of the staggered start. I understand its purpose. Uh, and it, and it's like a lot of other things that we do on the PGA Tour, right? This this Rocket Mortgage Classic gives 500 FedEx Cup points to the winner, just the same as, um, as, as well, I guess the elevated events will give you 550, but they're they're not based on strength of field. The They give 550 or 500 to every regular PGA Tour event. And the reason for that is it allows, uh, it, it incentivizes players to play. And when you look at the Tour Championship, it Scotty Scheffler is only going to get two shots because we want to have a product that's compelling um, going into the last event. And if it was based on the lead, well, he'd already have it wrapped up. And that's why we went to the staggered start thing. We, did, we didn't want to have the FedEx Cup finale locked up before the Tour Championship. We've seen that before. And so in their efforts, the PGA Tour's efforts to solve that problem, they went to this staggered start. So, and the other thing is you have quadruple points in the first two. So it, there's a, Scotty Scheffler is going to have to play well still in those first two playoff events to have that. Uh, that two-stroke lead because if Cam Smith wins one, um, he'll he'll pass him. If uh, he he can he well he can pass him. Let's say that he can pass him. That's right. Okay, our defending FedEx Cup champion Patrick Cantlay finds his way into a tie for second, a three-way tie for second, thanks to a Sunday 66. His last three rounds phenomenal went out on thursday shot a 70 then goes 65 66 66 and mark this is just something that patrick cantlay is capable of doing obviously getting hot with the putter uh going out and getting just into these stretches of golf where he is seemingly unbeatable now he runs into tony finau in a scoring record on on this sunday but otherwise cantlay's game has been superb um, first, my take, and then I'll give you a couple of his takes, because walking down 17 fairway, um, after he hit his second on the green, um, we were just chatting because he's kind of knew he had resigned himself. I wouldn't say, well, not resigned himself, but he'd sort of known he was finishing second because Tony had just made birdie on, where was it, 16 or whatever the case might be there. Um, or maybe not 16, but there was the big, uh, he was three or four behind. And so I said to him, Patrick, in my opinion, I think this is the best I've seen you swing it in a long time. And he's looked at me and he said, you think? And so I said, like, yeah. And he goes, I feel very comfortable. And it, like you say, making putts, I, I feel like he left at least four or five out there because he struck it magnificently. And like Finau was, was sort of unhurried. It was uninterrupted, the golf swing. And the lines of it to me were great. And what I mean by that is for a while, if you go and look at old footage, the start of his swing would sort of go up and out a little bit more. And it's like he was trying to, his, his backswing looked fade shots. And then he likes to hit a draw once in a while. And so he was sort of half stuck halfway between two shot patterns and you saw a lot of left misses. But today that thing was on the money, man. And every ball he hit just split the heart of the target. Um, every ball he hit was the correct distance. So he was like, yeah, I'm just tired. He actually said to me, he goes, it's too many seconds now. So I joked with him, I'm like, well, it's getting to that time of the season where there's some pretty big checks and you've played well before. And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, yeah, I guess you're right. Because he is right there. And then I texted his coach, Jamie Mulligan, after. And I'll read you what Mulligan said because Jamie is a really smart, he's almost like a savant kind of a guy. Um, and 
he is he wears like John Lennon glasses and and and, and joggers pants and stuff like that and Converse, and and I say it's the best I've seen him swing, and he goes. It looks pure. It's been coming. Swing, stroke, short game, all efficient and in a beautiful pace. And he's playing shots. And for an instructor to be able to say that, then you know it's not just the, not coming from the players, it's coming from the teacher. So he's right there, man. I've, and then I found it curious. So we were talking about a whole location on um, thirteen, maybe uh, twelve, where he hit a good shot through the back of the green, had nothing, and was in heavy rough. I didn't have time to describe the lie because the shot was taped and he had to play away from the target to about 20 feet. And I asked him about this. And first off, Scott Stallings, who was in the group came to me and he goes, do you see my putt there? And I'm like, yeah. And he had like 15 feet downhill for birdie. He goes to me because the flag was only cut from like three from a, a fast edge and this, the ball would roll off the green. Stallings is like, I was one power lip out away from chipping after 15 feet for birdie. Mm -hmm. So that's how the place was sort of crispy and hard, right? Mm -hmm. And so I asked um, Cantley about this, and he said, yeah, I don't like it. And so I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, why don't the, why don't the guys just let us have five or six more birdies? He goes, 25 under, 30 under, whatever. You're still going to shoot the low score to win. He goes, I don't like the fact that some of these courses are playing firm, and then they got these whole locations and he goes, and I just couldn't feel like I could ever hit putts aggressively the entire day, which was a very interesting take because all of us pundits were saying, well, he's lacking pace around the cup. Well, he essentially said to me, he goes, you know, if I got a little frisky on one or two of these, I was looking at four, five, six feet coming back. And so that was a fascinating take. And it sort of spoke to, sp said to me what a thinker he is about the game, where his, where his game is physically right now with the way he thinks about it. You know, I'd 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 be willing to bet a few dollars on him uh, come playoff time. Ooh, we're not far away from playoff time. I also like that uh, John Lennon glasses, joggers, and Converse's are what Mark thinks a savant wears. That's all it takes. Yeah, well, let's do. Well, I mean, look, the, us us regular golf folks have to wear like other brands and stuff. Where he shows up, there he just does his thing. You know, he's Jamie Mulligan, and uh, he's he's a really cool cat who's fascinating to live, uh, listen to. Uh, <laughs> I'm Rick, gonna, uh, uh, real quick, just the what what Patrick Cantlay has going on the greens right now is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's now six straight events mm -hmm. where he's gained three or more strokes putting. And we talked about it early in the week. I found a lot of a lot of the guys in the last three renditions of the Rocket Mortgage had some success um, very recently uh, in their putting, and it continued this week. But I, I don't know if I've seen somebody put together a six a six event in a row stretch of putting like this it's been just incredible for Cantlay. um his iron play of late has been great he has been across the board um gaining strokes across the board which is just to to everything that mark was just saying jamie sees it patrick feels it and the stats show it this guy's on fire right now he yeah. had some iron shots today so sorry rick Greg, he had some shots today where I looked at my spotter, Craig, and I was like, this freaking dude is flushing. And yeah. he was hitting balls inside 15 feet all day long. Made one bad swing. There was a tee shot on 18, and that cost him a bogey and second outright. But, man, he hit, he hit the irons perfectly right where he was looking, inside flag high every single time. It was, it, it was a joy for a golf junkie like me to watch. 
Is Patrick Cantley having the best season of anybody without a win? Individual win. Um, oh, right. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I take that back. He's already got a win. I mean, this stretch of golf. Uh, so runner up here. Eighth at the Open Championship, T4 at the Genesis, uh, T13 at the Travelers, T14 at the U.S. Open. Two good major championship starts in a row. T3 at the Memorial. He did miss the cut at the PGA, but finished runner-up to Jordan Spieth at the RBC Heritage. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been quite a run. He lost in a playoff at the at the Waste Management to Scotty Scheffler as well. Um, so Jordan Spieth too, right? Yeah, yeah, two playoff losses. Um, it's, it's a lot of seconds. It's, it's really, really good. I was calling him for both those playoffs. And when we showed up at quarter to 3 PM for the show to start and Matt minister, Reverend, um, Cantlay's caddy who incidentally, he and I've got a bet for dinner on, I won't tell you what it's about. He looked at me and he goes, you again. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? How are you? And he goes, Hey, last time he got, they got, they got off that fast start. And he says, both the playoffs we've been in. You've been calling us. I'm like, what are you trying to say? He goes, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I was there for both playoffs. And and neither of the playoffs did he do anything wrong. He was just outplayed, really. Spieth had that up and down that was off the charts. He sort of like Jordan Spieth stuff. And, and Scheffler made that bomb there in Phoenix. Sick, sick stuff. Uh, rookie roundup. We'll go through these fairly quickly here, gents. Uh, Taylor Pendrith, Greg. Did not have the Sunday he wanted. Uh, he hung tight with Tony Finau all Saturday long. Never really got it going on Sunday. It was an even par 72. Um, I saw a lot of, speaking of tentative putts, I saw a lot of putts that did not make it to the cup. By the time the dust settled, he would finish in that three-way tie for a second. Yes, uh, this was, he, he didn't take advantage the way he did earlier in the week. Uh, he was in position to make a bunch of birdies. I mean, he, he made three on the day. He probably, he, he probably looks at this and says, I should have made at least six. Um, there, there were some opportunities where he's just short of the green and he's got to get it up and down for birdie. And he, and he doesn't. And then the putts were a little tentative and they didn't fall. It was the first round of the week where he lost strokes on the greens. He lost 1.8. I mean, he, he had gained over a stroke in each of the first three rounds putting so it was definitely a downturn it was a downturn in just about every area and look this is the sunday experience um on, on the pga tour it's you're in you're in contention and you're going to battle with tony fee now maybe the hottest player in the world um definitely the hottest player in the world i, I think you could say um and cam young the best rookie on on the pga tour and patrick cantlay who if he had a couple wins in there, he might be rivaling Pat, uh, Tony Finau for the hottest player in the world. So this was this was a serious PGA Tour experience for him, and I think it'll be a learning curve. Yep, Sunday, Sundays in the final group they hit differently. Yeah, <laughs> the oxygen's a whole lot thinner. Um, it, it's different to Saturday, and Saturday is way different to Friday, and certainly way different to Thursday. So the closer you get to the finish line, the more the pressure just ramps up, and and pressure to me just exposes stuff and and so now a wildly talented golfer in, in Taylor Pendrith has gotten a first class lesson in how his body performs under the highest of pressure vying for a title against one of the leading guys in the game it, it was learning zone 101 and if he doesn't come out of this better it's all on him uh, he's got the he's, he's got the guns we know it it's just now time to learn from an experience that a lot of folks sadly have to learn from 
Uh, speaking of best player without a win so far this season, Mark, it's Cam Young, who also finished in that three-way tie for second. He has moved himself into the top 10 of the FedEx Cup standings now, ninth, a Sunday 68, and there is just seemingly unlimited potential, unlimited skill. I mean, th- this kid is, this kid's got it. I love him. Yeah, I I, I was calling his group yesterday and it, for the first time ever, and I've done, I've called him a few times, he actually said something to me on the golf course because normally he keeps to himself. He doesn't barely says a word to anybody and he shows no emotion and he just absolutely spanked one down 10. I mean, I could have, I could have tossed it on the green from where the ball was, the par four. And he walked past me and I sort of gave him the bicep and said like, come on, really, man? And he looked at me and he goes, man, that's just lots of pizza and Netflix. <laughs> I was like, what? It's the last answer I was expecting. And he said so with a smile on his face, sir. He sort of showed that chilled side. And he looked like he was really cruising. And then he had this tee shot on 16 where um, it just looked like he was really trying to hit it hard and kind of drop kicked one off the tee with the driver. And stuff just went awry from there. And today he didn't look as sharp ball striking wise. He kept himself in it. Like I've talked about the fact that he does before, like at the PGA ways with Will Zalatoris and all the conversations about Zalatoris. And all of a sudden Cam Young's got the lead on the 16th hole with three holes to play in the championship. Cause that's what he does. So, so, so he just didn't look like he had his best today. Um, to be honest with you, given the one and done standings and my guy crash and burn, I'm quite content that he didn't win. So we all good. There's there's some scary stuff, Greg, when and I agree with Mark, Cam Young didn't probably have his best stuff on Sunday, shot a 71 on Thursday, still finished in a tie for a second. Like yeah. that's super dangerous. Yeah. Well, we I mean, we've talked about this a lot, the the vastness of golf courses where he's had top threes. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's all over the place. Every every style seems to work for him. But his game also speaks to that too. Um, he's we know what he can do off the tee, as Mark just alluded to. Uh, we've seen him putt in, extremely well. But one thing he said earlier in the year, he came on course record earlier in the year and said, "I haven't met anybody with that doesn't have a better short game than me." <laughs> and you look at what he does this week, and you know he hits that bunker shot from the back bunker on the late par five. What was it? Sixteen. It almost goes in. It hits the flag. Um, I guess it was 15 and he hit a couple of beautiful short shots and for the week, he's second in strokes gain around the green. And what I'm seeing with, with cam is a, a versatility where his, his game travels, it works anywhere, um, and everywhere. And then in each individual area, we've seen flashes of greatness and he is a player who's, um, whose game seems to be complete. And it just, as this year has progressed, it's changed a lot. He's improved his iron play a lot. He's, he started off as a great putter. He's been a little more hit or miss, but he has the capability of having a really, really good putting week. Uh, And now to see this performance around the greens, he's just another step closer to being, as you said, Rick, really dangerous. Here are the golf courses in which he has finished third or better. Uh, Country club of Jackson. Riviera, Harbor Town, TPC Potomac, uh, this year's PGA Championship, which was why am I blanking on this? Southern one? Hills, Southern Hills, Thank Tulsa, you. Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, the uh, old course at St Andrews, and then this week at 
Detroit Golf Club. That's a lot yeah. of different courses in a lot of different places that require a lot of different skill sets. Different grass types, like Mark was talking about earlier. You have some Bermuda courses in there. You have some bent grass courses in there. Some fescue courses, or one fescue course, I guess, with the the old course. It's it's a a, a very wide ranging skill set that he has, and it's a lot more than just his power off the tee. Uh, we'll end with this one here, Mark. Uh, Tom Kim, not technically a rookie, but he has all but locked up his card for next year. He accepted that special temporary membership status a couple of weeks ago. He's been piling up great finishes. It was a solo seventh this week, thanks to a Sunday 63 that moved him up 17 spots. Everything you hear from his peers, his coaches, anyone who's ever seen him play, it's like, oh, yeah. He he's the real deal and he's he's showing it here and he'll be on he'll be on the big tour next year. Yeah, no doubt. Um he's got a beautiful golf swing, man. He's a lovely player. He's got this childlike abandon about him when he plays where there's always smiles, it never looks like he's taking stuff too seriously. And he's a proven winner. I mean, he's won abroad, and it looks like it's just a matter of time before he wins here. I'm just thankful to him because as far as betting advice goes this week. I sucked. I mean, well, that's with a capital S. <laughs> and and he was the one call I actually made that was right. And I said he'd finish inside the top 10 or whatever it was. So so thanks for Tom Kim. I've got to go and pat him on the back and say, I appreciate you next week when I see him. I got to say, Mark, your your brother's got to be giving him a look right now uh, uh, for that <laughs> President's Cup team. I, I mean, he's just, he, he is playing phenomenal golf. He, he has his card locked up even, even before this week. I'm pretty sure he was going to get his PGA tour card. He's, he's impressive. We had a quick conversation. It was Trevor Baker Finch and me before, I don't know, Friday's round when he was on golf channel. And so Baker Finch goes, so how's the team? And, uh, he goes right now we're okay. <laughs> he goes, but stand by for an hour of stuff. He goes, stuff is changing uh, almost by the minute. So, so stand by, but yeah, I'm, I'm certain that Tom Kim's getting a look right now, the way he's going. Yeah, we are not far out from uh, this year's President's Cup. Okay, gents, we got to talk a little if uh, Davis Love proposed something that we can talk about. And we've got to go through our best bets and our one and done selections in which lots of money was made for everyone except one of us here in this room right now. We'll ah, screw you, man. We'll <laughs> uh, but first, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. And we're back. Liv played in Bedminster this week. Henrik Stenson won it in his debut. Davis Love 
offered up a suggestion in regards to the major championship. So obviously, gentlemen, the majors and how they deal with this breakoff league and OWGR points has been a big topic of conversation. And Davis Love suggested a boycott of majors from PGA Tour players. The quote looks something like this, quote, uh, well, here's the biggest lever and it's not a nice lever. He would go on to say, if a group of veterans and a group of top current players align with 150 guys on the tour and say, guess what? We're not playing. That solves it, right? If live guys play in the U S open, we're not playing. If they sue in court and they win, well, we're not playing. You know, there won't be a U.S. open. It's just like a baseball strike. Uh, there's a, I've not heard anything like this before, Greg, and there's kind of a lot to unwrap here. I will say this is nothing like a baseball strike because baseball is a union. So there's literally not like that at all, but he's making the case that, uh, the decision could be made by current existing established PGA tour players about the sanctity of major championships. Wow. Um, that this is the first time hearing this. Me too. When I saw it in the outline, I had to like, I was like, I did not hear that. I had to go Google it and like read up on yeah. it. Um, so it's a I mean, look, that's a bold, that would be an extremely bold move. I think there are some concerns. Um, you know, the strength of the PGA tour and the PGA tour schedule, a lot of that is in the major championships. So a lot of the um the benefits of the PGA tour are historical. Uh, and now, albeit, I, I think that would definitely put the majors in a serious bind. And I'm not sure that it's fair to do that to the major, to the open championship, for example, or the U.S. Open, for example, who are literally open and anybody can go qualify. Uh, I am as against live as anybody, um, but I, I don't think it's a good thing for the U.S. Open and for the open championship to to, you know, not allow live players to try to compete and qualify. So that's a, it's a, a very interesting thought. Um, and I appreciate him thinking outside the box, but I, I don't think that's a good idea. And I don't think the players would ever do that. I don't think the players in a million years would do it, Mark. I mean, we talk all the time about you only get so many chances of these how many guys would you have to get before, like before they literally can't, they would never cancel you. I don't know. Th this just, this does not pass the sniff test one single bit to me. I think we have you on mute, Mark. Yeah, that's me again. <laughs> First off, cause I'm getting a little aggravated now. So maybe you should have muted me. First <laughs> off these, I'm reading some of these comments over here and I'm like, whoever these folks are guys, you've got no real idea about Davis love. Um, I'm thankful to call him a friend. He took a huge, I mean, he gets ripped all of the time for being too nice. And let me tell you, the Davis love that I know, he might be nice, but that guy is like nails, man. And there's a reason why he's so respected inside of the locker room. And there's a reason why he's been mul uh, multiple Ryder Cup and President's Cup captain. And they keep bringing him back. Because if it wasn't for just a miraculous comeback at Medina, he would have won that Ryder Cup as well because he just knows the players so well and understands the game. So what he was saying there was a bit far-fetched. I, 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 I will concede. But it's to a place where someone needs to make some sort of a statement. 
And, you know, you can come out and say, like, if you're the leaders of the game, make this and that sort of statement. But he's the only one that's really offered some sort of a, 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 a to-do. So I texted him, and I'm like, for what it's worth, I appreciate your comments and your stance through the live thing. And he goes, thanks. I've not seen the article, but I hope I ripped somebody. Now, this is Davis Love, right? He is not having any of this sort of stuff. And and I, I it's... Um, it, it just speaks to, because I have the luxury of sort of being inside some of these conversations with, you know, former players, you know, the oldest statesmen of the game. I, I sit in our green room and we watch the live thing with Fowler and, and, and company. And these guys are irate about what's going on. And, and you should hear some of the stuff that's being said. So I'm glad one of the oldest statesmen came out and at least offered something because something needs to be done. Because otherwise, it's just going to be endless, incessant talking. And the more all of us are talking about it, the more we are creating unpaid for exposure for this other league. That is, I mean, I watched some of the golf. It was, I don't want to say it was laughable. Good gravy. I mean, this is Henrik Stenson, who hasn't played very well on the tour here recently. And now he wins his first go out. Doesn't that speak to the standard of play a little bit? Um, one one other thing I, that I'd just like to say, some of the comments here. Um, or that you know maybe Davis is going to live next. He's definitely no, not. Uh, uh, no. no way. Um, if you listen to what he said about some of the Ryder Cup players before this week or Presidents Cup players like Max Holma, Cam Young, Will Zalatoris, um, one of the first things that he said when asked about any of those potential players was their stance um, in favor with the PGA Tour and that being a big thing. I mean, before he went into their game. He went into what they've said off the golf course uh, and their support of the PGA Tour. So it means a great deal to him. And there's no chance that he's <laughs> thinking about making a move. No. Uh, Henrik Stenson, the 174th ranked player in the world, runs rough shot through the Bedminster field for victory in his debut. Congratulations to you, Henrik, and uh, wishing you all the best. We can do best bets and we can do one and done. How about that? How about first? We take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. And we're back. Best bets, more like worst bets. Max Homa <laughs> <laughs> top 20? Nope. Callum Darren top Englishman? No, sir. And where did he finish? Where, where did he finish? Who beat him? Uh, Matt Wallace. Dang. Matt Wallace, okay. 16 under T10. Callum Taren was 
second Englishman, Mark. You should have bet him second Englishman. <laughs> ah. What were the odds on that? Plus, <laughs> plus 100. You can pick like the exact position. Uh, he finished T20. It was a good week for him, but he was edged out by Matt Walls. All right. I suck. Uh, and then Coach got a push in the battle of the mix. That's McCarthy over McNeely. That's a push for the coach. One and done. We did a lot better. And when I say we, I don't mean you, Mark, because you <laughs> took Kevin Kisner and got zero dollars. Uh, however, I guess the consolation is that you are still well. Actually, it's only it's only it's only two million. <laughs> it's only two and a half million. <laughs> okay, if you okay, well, let, let's congratulations everybody. That's fantastic picking there by you. Um, I. Um, I actually take great pride in the fact that I have not had many miscuts this year. Now, this is a bad time to miss a cut. Um, and oh, I guess what I'm trying to say very badly is that if you had said to me, hey, with one event left in the regular season, you'd have a pretty sizable lead, I'd be like, sweet, let's go. Because I've got my bullets in the chamber and I'm pretty I'm pretty content with uh, how things are stacking up for the next four weeks. I said, yeah. Uh, 39 events in, Mark. Do you want to take a guess at how many missed cuts you have? Probably five or six, I think it is. Six of them. Yeah, six yeah. missed cuts in 39. Very, very good. 11.7 million at the top. Sia Nijad. Oh, look at this. Little little, little uh, reprieve from the mush, Greg. Sia. Yeah, second, the mush is over. It's second over. week in a row. Yeah, Sia and the fans got the big chunk here. 635000 from Cam Young, that three-way tie for second paid out six thirty-five six. It's the same amount Kyle got for Taylor Pendra, so a couple, couple of good options there. Yeah, what a what a play from Kyle. I, I totally get the Cam Young play. Like we said, there's there's not a bad spot to start him. So if you have him in the tank, still, I understand playing him anywhere. Uh, it, it's a great pick. Taylor Pendrith is a phenomenal pick from Kyle. Um, we know that he doesn't have many bullets in the tank and getting a T2 <laughs> out of that. That's nice. That was so, yeah, good on them. Hey, I, two things. I want someone to find out how much Greg made to win this league last year. And then I want to say this. I watched Scott Stallings for 11 holes, 12 holes, whatever it was today. His game looks sharp. Um, oh, yeah. If, if anyone's low on bullets, I know he's Carl's Mr. Average or whatever Carl calls him, but the guy's game is in good shape. And uh, and and I'd, I'd have a name if someone was, was low on people to choose. I will say, Mark, um, Rick won last year. I won the year before. Oh, sorry, Rick. Okay. What, so what was the totals? Disrespect. Uh, I don't remember. What did we all put in? A hundred bucks? I don't even remember what it was. No, no, I don't think we had, was, no, no. Uh, what What was your oh. winning amount of money is what I want. Oh, my God. Um. I don't know. We'll have to look. I, I'm certain you're. I you might be over it. I think it was ten million. Because you had like we had like fifty four events in the regular season or something last year. Oh we, yeah, we, with the original fifty four league. <laughs> yeah, the original league. <laughs> um. Uh. Okay. The other thing. Kyle and Sia are in a battle for last, and Sia was only six thousand dollars behind. Got six hundred and thirty-five thousand and did not pass Kyle. Kyle is somehow, somehow holding on to this. Uh, what is that? Seventh place, like, like crazy. Good for him. I love that. Yeah, that. I mean, that is scratching and clawing and fighting to not be in the basement. What a pick! 
Uh, Coach and I had Cam Davis, 153,300. Greg, you and Jacob, who Jacob's back. Thank God. I love it that Jacob's back. Uh, Producing the shows myself is like scary stuff. 203,000 from friend of the pod, Scott Stallings. Um, Oh, Jacob just sent this in too. Uh, Rick, last year, won uh, 11,500,000 and change. So yeah, he's he's over it. Eleven scoring record, yes. Yeah. Scoring record, indeed. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can find what I I did. But as I was reading that, you were asking about the Scott Stallings pick. Yeah. Um. Look, Scott. We talked about this on Monday, Rick. He has been playing great golf. Um. Now you'll see when you look at his record, a couple of missed cuts. But they, his last three missed cuts were the PGA, the U.S. Open, and the Memorial. So three really big time events. And at some of these regular PGA tour stops, he's played great and his game is sharp. His iron play is, uh, is really sharp. His putting is really sharp for me. He checked all the boxes coming into the week. Um, and, and he, he did, he had a great week. I think today's round was a little disappointing. Uh, he started off a little flat, but, um, but all in all, look, a top 10 is a, is always a nice pick. 203,000. $700 for Scott Stallings. Uh, okay, gents, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Going once, going twice. Uh, I'm excited for the wind. I love the Wyndham. It's always fun. There are so many, you know, bubbles to look at and watch for. And Chris Goderup, can he uh, rattle off a top five or whatever he's going to need to get his PGA Tour card? Um, it, it's a fun time of year, and it's a really fun event. I'm looking forward to it. Where did he, where did he finish this week? Got he, he was at eight under, I believe. T forty nine. Yeah, T forty nine. All right. Who's that guy from CNN, John King, on election night, where he's like, "We've got votes coming in from over here." He's got that magic board, and he's always right. zooming in, zooming. They should bring him in for the Wyndham and be like, "Cut to Ricky Fowler. If he makes birdie on this hole, he jumps in front." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zoom in, zoom out. Well, like, well that, that was Rick, the, I, I think you should do that. All right, sign me up. Yeah, you should do that with rickrungood.com and show me the path to victory, the path to the FedEx Cup. If we take a little closer look on his last three approach shots, he's gained strokes. Okay, well, Steve, uh, Steve Sands was the original one. Remember when the tour championship was still points? And yes. someone was pointing the a thousandth of a point ahead, and if he makes birdie, then he overtakes so and so. And Sandy would have the whiteboard over there, and you know, it was maybe they should bring him back. That, okay, I'm not a huge fan of the staggered start. It's infinitely better than the yeah. calculation that, like, if some random guy, if Justin Rose makes a birdie to move to 22nd, he'll win and the. Justin Johnson cup. wins. Yeah, yeah, exactly, it's crazy. Like, yeah. It's so much better than that even though I think it has its flaws, but yeah, no, Wyndham, Wyndham's fun. And then uh, only three events. And Craig, I like that you pointed out, we've got one, we've got one playoff event where we've been a bunch and one where we've never been. So it's kind of yeah. best of both worlds before we get to Eastlake. Right. Which, which is going to be really cool. Really fun to handicap. Uh, the BMW last year was at a place we'd never been before either. And it proved to be at Caves Valley. It proved to be uh, quite a show. I mean, that was a memorable show last year. So yeah, it's uh it, it's going to be another great playoff run. I'm really excited for it. I can't believe that it's here already, but you know, Wyndham is kind of it's like a playing game for a lot of these guys and it adds another element when you're looking at your DFS board. It adds another element when you're looking at 
uh, at the betting slate. It's it, it's definitely um, kind of a an extra factor beyond the things that we typically look at. Strokes gain motivation, we'll call it. Nice. <laughs> you're coming you're coming over to the dark side greg keep <laughs> my boy you're wising up <laughs> dfs preview monday mega preview pod tuesday final betting picks on wednesday round by round recaps the, the first cut pod has you covered seven days a week for now big thanks to producer jacob welcome back doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme, available on Twitter at The Real GFD. You can find Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.